0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Yeah. I don't, I don't bend. You're on me. It's time to get a check, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines, now it's time to reject, boy. You bittin' on me, what's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot, I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bittin' on me, it's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline, you ain't made the headlines, now it's time to reject, boy. You bittin' on me, what's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? best shot i'm gonna take the last shot i'm joining the clutch boy all righty guys it is time for
0: another episode of the auto bid i am aaron robertson joined as always by my twin brother andrew robertson today We got a special guest. We got my guy, Sean Paul, man. One of the fastest rising young media members in the country right now, man. Definitely uh, pleased to have him on, man. We're going to give Sean a little bit of opportunity to uh, give himself a a little bit of an intro, talk a little bit about what what he's into these days, man. But first, we want to remind you guys, as always, man, make sure you guys are giving us a like, a retweet on Twitter, man. You see this podcast, man. When you hear us on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to our podcast, man, make sure you give us a rating. 5000 only, please. You know what I'm saying? We don't need no, no bad business on, on the All Facts resume. Make. make sure you guys are spreading the word, man. Telling a friend and tell a friend about the auto bin, man. And also, make sure you guys are listening to my guy Pull Up Tay's music. Uh, that was him on the intro, man, his new project. Why Stop Now is out on all platforms, man. So if you like hip-hop uh, music, man, definitely go in and tap into my, my man Pull Up Tay. He one of the hottest rappers uh, out of the DMV, man. But... Like I said, man, we're pleased to be joined by Sean Paul today, man. He's he's a uh, you know someone who works extremely hard, man. Doing work with the Future Sixty Eight, I'm doing some writing for making the madness, man. He's got a bunch of new ventures that days into now as well, man. So I'm gonna give him you know an opportunity to kind of tell you tell you guys a little bit about himself, uh, what he's working on now, man. So uh, Sean, you know, here's uh, the floor, bro.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. It's my second time on, so uh, very happy to be on once again. You could follow me on Twitter at SeanPaulCBB. You'll see all the stuff I do on there, so just give me a follow there. Doing some stuff with the Field of 68 uh, weekly mid-major top 25 poll. You guys are voters in it. And, uh, you know, I was on the Field of 68 after dark yesterday. I'm on there uh, every now and then, so definitely tune into that every night, whether I'm on it or not. Uh, It's the best college basketball show there is. And, uh, you know, I'm on it occasionally, and it's always fun to be on with the load of – really good people on the show
0: shoot man well first of all man you know shout out to my guy Sean Paul you know my my guy just just cracked 7,000 followers on Twitter man so you know make sure you guys continue to run that up man but um you know you mentioned you mentioned the mid major rankings and um you know like you said we're we're definitely you know one of the voters on that but you know, we here all facts we do our own um rankings as well, mid-major rankings. And um I kinda wanted to dive into that a little bit, man, about these these week five mid-major rankings, man. So um Sean, man, I mean, I was like I said, you 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 do your poll over at first sixty eight, but you know, based on the week five rankings, I mean, what are your takeaways? What are some teams that you like? Um, and who who's some teams that that you may think um could be could be dangerous as we're getting closer and closer towards conference play.
2: Well, I like that you have Colorado State one in your guys' rankings. That's 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 a positive. They definitely should be ranked nationally. It's a bit of a travesty that they're not currently ranked, but, you know, they'll get there if they beat Mississippi State this weekend. At least I'd hope they're ranked if they beat Mississippi State. Who knows at this point? They should already uh, be ranked. The fact rank, that they're not ranked, now is a travesty. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree for sure. Dayton, they're probably going to drop out of your guys' rankings now after losing yesterday, but – that would have been a big opportunity for them winning yesterday at SMU. They played tough down the down the stretch, but they just dug themselves too big of a hole to get out of. So it was just a tough game there. Uh, I, I think your guys' rankings are really good, though. Like I don't have many too many questions about it. I mean, San Diego State at nine, that's probably going to drop off a little bit. They're, they don't look like a tournament team at this point. Their offense isn't very good, but they have an okay resume right now. But when it comes down to it, I definitely think they're going to drop down quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I would say on the day and tip, I personally didn't want to have they been in the top 25, but Drew has been adamant about having they been in the top 25 after their little run that they had down there in Orlando, obviously, you know, winning that, that East Canada, uh tournament down there. But when you lose three bye games at home the way that they did, I was like, yo, they they got to – if they don't win – 15 straight games.
2: I don't want to top 25, but you know, i let- when you when you think about it though, it's like so you beat you beat Kansas, you beat Miami, that's kind of a whatever when they're not very good. You beat Belmont, but when you compare it, it's like all right, you lose to Austin P., you lost to Lipscomb, and uh, you lost to UMass Lowell. So I feel like in resume wise, like UMass Lowell. Is definitely a quadrant four loss. I feel like that kind of cancels out the Kansas win, and then when you look at the loss like Austin P, that probably cancels out the Belmont yeah, win. Great.
0: Like they got it was like they, they yeah. got fake.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, it's weird. I I don't know that I've seen anything like this. Like they just lost so many games they should have won. Like if they would win all those games that they've won, I mean, they they still would have lost to SMU probably. But then that's just one loss this year. They'd be ranked nationally probably.
0: It was the way they lost them. Like they lost three straight bye games at home. And Austin P is a team that has lost on their resume to Howard. Uh who was to be, be Austin? I mean, they, they had some bad losses on their resume. And the Howard is a lot better. But I, I actually I, I, I had an opportunity to see Howard first Austin P uh about a week or two ago. But um that's not a game that you lose like, that that day in programs lose on their home court, you know. It, so I was like, you know I, I'm I'm not high on, on day in, but San Diego State is a team, um Obviously, um, with, with, with a bit of pedigree. And the thing about San Diego State that I like is that they're going to guard. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that's something that's going to travel. When you get into conference play, you go on the road. Um, even though their offense at, at times, you know, looks a bit stagnant, um, they're going to defend you, you know, night in, night, night in and night out. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that's going to give them a chance. Even on nights, on nights where they're not making shots – um, to make some noise, um, especially in conference play. I mean, I mean, that the Mountain West obviously is, is good at good at the top with you know, Colorado State, Utah State, and San Diego State. And obviously we are going to have Wyoming, who just got drubbed last night, but um, we we hope they can bounce back from that. And who knows if, if Nevada can, can get back on track? And after that, two of the best guards in the league. But you know, um, I think they're going to have a shot. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if San Diego State um winds up you know winning the Mountain West tournament just because of the fact that you know they're a team that I think. Uh, it's going to guard in their experience so I'm know. i I'm not ready to close the book on San Diego State yet
2: well the, the one thing with San Diego State for me and I went on a radio in San Diego yesterday and kind of talked about it a little bit with them it, one of the things about it is it's not just that you know they haven't been good offensively it's that the way that they've Played, like, against UT Arlington, against Cal State Fullerton now yesterday. Matt Bradley had a really good game yesterday, but nobody else is really contributing. Like, there's not a no- bona fide number two guy that you have that can score the basketball. Like, you look last year, you had Matt Mitchell, and if it wasn't him, it was Jordan Shackle. Terrell Gomez could step in and hit some shots. That was your top three scores. They're all gone now. Matt Bradley, he's been really good the last two games, 44 points. 22 each of the last two games. So he's been good right now, but he struggled early in the season – Lamont Butler, who is one of your top scorers, is hurt right now. So who's gonna be that number two guy? Is it gonna be like a Keith Dinwiddie? Is it gonna be a Keyshaw Johnson? Nathan Menz is not really a big time scorer. Maybe Trey Pulliam, but he's been up and down scoring wise throughout his career. So that's where I question San Diego State. There's just not enough scoring there for me. But Brian Dutcher is one of the best coaches in basketball because he yeah. can he coaches guys to defend really hard. And that's what they do every season.
0: That's what I was gonna say. I mean, I I'm also trusting the coaching was the anything, because Dutcher does, does such a good job with this program over the past few years. And I, I think Trey Pulliam also is going to get going. I mean, this guy, obviously, you know, this is kind of his first uh, year in that, you know, in, in more of a lead role for San Diego State, obviously, the, the past few years. He's been more of a complimentary piece. But this year, um, he's, he's going to have to score some points. I think as, as time goes on, um, he's got hopefully, you know, can, can get going. But, you know, we'll, we'll – We'll definitely see, man. I want to talk about uh, another Mountain West team. that We talked about Colorado State, man. I mean, obviously their team, that's number one in our rankings. They're undefeated. They've had a huge win at home this past weekend over St. Mary's. I mean, what what about them, um, you know, makes them so good? And why are you so high on them? Obviously, you know, Drew and I are high on them as well. But, you know, what is it that makes this Colorado State team so good in your opinion?
2: Well, first off, Nico MedBed is a great coach. That's a big part of it. But when you look at their roster, they have two guys – who are two of their best, two of the best players at their respective positions in college basketball? Isaiah Stevens is outstanding at the point guard, and David Roddy is a really good player. He might be, he's probably the Mountain West player of the year right now. He's been fantastic this year. Really could get some All-American consideration. And the biggest thing that I've said all offseason is that these guys could have transferred up. They could have went anywhere they wanted in the country, but the culture that they have at Colorado State. And probably encourage them to stay. I mean, these days, you know, transfers happen, transfers up, transfers down. You look at a guy a guy like Jamal Kane at Oakland. He was solid at Marquette for a number of years, but now he's killing it at Oakland. So these guys could have went up, but they decided to stay at Colorado State and try to help bring the Rams to another NCAA tournament. So you have that. They can play small. They can play Roddy at the five. They could play big, put Deshaun Thomas at the five. He's close to seven foot. They they all shoot the ball really well. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, 44% from deep on the season. They're, they're deep. They're not great defensively. I think that could improve a little bit. It was a lot better last year. I think last year is a little bit of an outlier compared to recent Colorado State defenses. I don't think they were as good as they were last year, but I don't think they're as bad as they have been this year defensively. But their offense is one of the best in college basketball nobody in the Mountain West has an offense anywhere near their offense.
0: You know, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think for me, the key for them is, is Isaiah Stevens. I mean, he's, he's so good for them. To see. I mean, this dude's averaging seven assists and just one ton- turnover per game in, in 33 minutes. I mean, that is an absolutely absurd ratio for, for a point guard. I man, anytime you got a guy that, that can facilitate the way that he does and control the pace of the game the way that he does I and mean, not turn it over, it's huge for them, man. I think, you know, he's really what makes that team – what makes that team go, man. Then you have a guy like David Roddy, um, who's really a mismatch nightmare, man. I mean, this dude is 6'5", but he's 250 pounds. You know what I'm saying? So he mm-hmm. can play the, the, the guard. He can step out and hit threes. He can switch. And also, if you need him to bang in the post, he's big enough where he can do that as well, man. I mean, this dude is, right now is averaging 20 and 8. Um, and he's shooting like almost, what is he shooting? 46% from three-point line right now, man. I mean, this dude is... is much like,
2: improved from last year, three-point-wise.
0: From last year, man. I mean, I, I think those are the biggest things. You mentioned last, I mean, last year he shot 27% from three. This year he's up at 47. So, I mean, he's, he's been huge for them. And I think those two are going to be, you know, obviously, both those guys should be first team all mile West guys. And and Roddy should definitely probably, you know, get some looks for that honorable mention, uh, all American type, type, type category as well, man. But, you want to dive into our number two-ranked team uh, in Nepal right now, and that is San Francisco. Obviously, they're in, the, they're in the WCC, obviously, with Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's. They're currently undefeated as well. Uh, and a lot of people have, have kind of, you know, been talking a lot about USF, man. But do you think that this team has what it takes to compete with the likes of Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's at the
2: top of the WCC? Not with Gonzaga. <laughs> Maybe with BYU definitely with St. Mary's they're, I think they're probably better in St. Mary's definitely right now. I would say they're close to BYU. Uh, Gonzaga I think is just ahead, even though they've lost two games. I think they've proven time and time again, that they're the class of the WCC, but San Francisco is good. 10 and O they shoot the ball really well. Ewan Masalski coming in from San Diego has been a big time presence down low. Second leading score, big time rebounder. He's been very good for this Don's team and Jamari Bouyeh has just been fantastic. He took over in the second half against Fresno State yesterday, which brought San Francisco to their 10-0 and record. This is an NCAA tournament-level team. We'll see if they get there. But they have the talent to win a game or two in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's where I wanted to go with this. I mean, in the recent years, I mean, the WCC has been a, a league that well, obviously Gonzaga's penciled in every year. Um, and they usually have either BYU or St. Mary's, you know, in the tournament, usually for like a two-bit league. Do you think that this is the year where the WCC can get three or maybe four bids in the NCAA tournament? Like, I mean, do you think San Francisco can kind of sneak into that at-large picture? Like, how do you feel about them as far as you know the NCAA tournament
2: resume? I think four bids is more likely than two, but I think at least three. Before at most, at least three, because St. Mary's at this point, they've lost to Wisconsin, and they've lost to uh, Colorado State. So they don't have any bad losses. They have some solid wins mixed in there. I I guess we don't know how good of a win Oregon is at this point. They haven't looked very good this season, but they've done good this year. They're a good team. They were in the NIT last year. I think San Francisco, as long as they avoid bad losses, you can't lose to Portland, you can't lose to Pacific, you can't lose to San Diego. If they can avoid losses like that, I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament also, and I think BYU and Gonzaga are are already lost in the NCAA tournament. So I think we're already at two. I guess things can change. Like BYU could struggle, but I don't see that happening. But St. Mary's in San Francisco probably both on the bubble, but I think both get in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think San Francisco is going to have to, like you said, they, they have to. I think they're going to have to beat Arizona State. They're going to see them uh, obviously on the nineteenth, uh, who, who have you know struggled. And I think after you, you can't lose to Grand Canyon, Grand is a really good team. Um, but obviously, I think if they, if they win that game and they were able, to, if they go on the, if they go on the, the WCC play undefeated. Now I think that we're talking about a team that can that can you know pay themselves. Uh, themselves into the tournament if you can go you know and and knock off a, a st mary's and knock off a byu once i don't think they're gonna beat Gonzaga, but if you can if you can get a byu or a st mary's on your home corner and win um and you go into the tournament with what maybe like four losses you lose it let's say you lose to Gonzaga twice once to st mary's and once to byu let's say you, you have a stinker one night lose to a santa Clara or something like that um you go going to tournament with with five losses and i think you give yourself a really good chance um to get an at large rather take an at large bid
2: Especially with how weak some of the, I mean, not really bubble teams at this point, like Virginia, they just don't look like a tournament team. The ACC yeah. as a whole, that's yeah. like a 4 bid league right now. Like, they're not looking super hot right now, which means that that's going to open opportunities for other leagues to get more teams in. So that's where I think the WCC could sneak in and get that four.
0: We spoke about that a few weeks ago on our pod, but the other conferences just looking so bad. Like, the the... ACC, obviously, is down. The Pac-12 is down. Even the Big Ten isn't as good as as it's been, man. You have teams, obviously, we talked about the A-10. I mean, they've them teams of, I mean, it's looking like a one big league right now with Richmond kind of playing the way it's obviously,
2: Oh, yeah. Right now, if if the season ended today and St. Bonaventure won the conference tournament, they're the only team getting in. Like, I'm not even sure anybody else would be in the NIT. Like, maybe Dayton, maybe Richmond, but, like, they, they don't seem really close at all.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's it's tough, man. Obviously, our, our, our joint racing Patriots played themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> out of relevancy. In a hey, hey, they, they
2: they started; they were one of the best teams in college basketball for a week. I think that's yeah. an accomplishment. Yeah, man. But huh?
0: Now I go ahead.
2: No, I, I think the thing about it, uh, I think that's more telling about what Maryland was than anything. Uh, you know, I told you guys that at the time. I'm like, hey, I just don't think Maryland's that good.
0: No, man, but you got to understand, at that time, like, <laughs> at the time, they were both they were both undefeated at the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Basically, they got the win. Maryland, Maryland
2: could easily have, like, one win right now. Like, if you think about it, they could have yeah. lost to Hofstra. They, they could have lost to the, George they Washington. They could have lost to
0: Hofstra. They yeah, could have lost to Vermont. They could have lost to
2: GW. Yeah. Like, like, they could really just have one win right now, yeah. which would be kind of crazy.
0: That would be absolutely absurd. <laughs> man, I, I do want to ask, man, because, you know, we, we kind of um, skipped over this a little bit with Colorado State. But, I mean, Sean, when I mean, I can remember a time when we looked back on the Mountain West and, you know, you had teams like San Diego State and, and UNLV and that were making like deep runs into the NCAA tournament, like second weekend type of runs. Um, what do you think the ceiling is for this Colorado State team as far as NCAA tournament? Do you think that this is a team that could make it into the Sweet 16, lead a type of team? Like, what do you think their ceiling is um, when we're talking about this team, come March?
2: You know, I've kind of dropped this prediction, like, recently the past few days. Like, I'm not saying they're going to be as good because they're not good defensively, but I think they could be a team we look at in a couple months and see, okay, Colorado State's ranked top ten uh, and they're undefeated still kind of, or they'll they'll play Alabama. Maybe they lose there, but kind of like San Diego State a couple of years ago, I don't know if they're the, as good, but I think they're kind of in the same range. This is the best team the Mountain West has seen since then, and I think it's one of the best overall teams in the Mountain West over the last decade. I mean, this is a really good team. I think they can win games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if their offense is clicking, there's very few teams that can keep up with them.
0: Not for sure, man. Well, Definitely want to want to um, switch gears a little bit now. Obviously, we we've talked a about, about the West Coast School with the Mountain West and the WCC1. I want to get over to, to the East Coast a little bit down down south, but one of my favorite conferences over the last few years has been the SOCOM, man. And obviously, uh, Chattanooga has been awesome, uh, you know, this season, man. And obviously, I think, you know, they're the, they're the favorite heading into conference play. Who is the one team in the SOCOM that you think could give them, you know, the, 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 run, the biggest run for their money come conference play?
2: I would still say Furman. They're, they're still a really good team. You know, Gary Heen hasn't played as well recently, but Jalen Slawson, Alex Hunter, Mike Bothwell, that's a really good trio to have. Bob Ritchie's a good coach. And to me, it's always crazy that Furman, they've been really good over the past five, six years, but they haven't made an NCAA tournament since like the 70s. Like it's been a long time since they've been in the tournament. So I'd assume they're motivated to get to that NCAA tournament. So I think they're the biggest uh, competitor to Chattanooga.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you on the Furman train as well, man. I love Botwell. I love Slauson, and I, I love also Alex Hunter. Also, you, you mentioned Bob Ritchie, He's one of the most underrated coaches, in my opinion, um, in the country, man. you got teams obviously like Wolford, UNCG, ETSU. Even Sanford right now is sitting at 7-2 and two right now.
2: Yeah, I, I, I like Sanford. I don't think they're there right now, but – You know, they've done a really good job uh, getting talent from the portal. Quest Glover, been one of the best guards in the league, been one of the best guards in the country. Wesley Cardiff, four-star recruit, going to Sanford. He had his best game of the year yesterday. He hasn't been great, but I think he's going to get it going. They're going to be a team that pulls off a couple of, like, wins you see on the road. They're going to be, like, six or seven-point underdogs on the road against somebody, and they're going to pull out some wins. That's the kind of talent they have.
0: You know, I, I think both of those, I think Severus is, is good. I mean, I think ETSU was going to be in the mix. Obviously, they had some good wins. Obviously, over Murray State, which was a really good win, beating beat Missouri State as well, um, out of the, out of the uh, Missouri Valley, which was a good win. And obviously, Wofford had that win over Georgia. Georgia isn't, isn't anything special, but they do have that win over Memphis. Um, but then they turned they turned around and lost um, to Richmond uh, over the weekend, man. So, I don't know, man. I think Watford's always extremely well coached. Um, and I think that they'll definitely be, be in the mix as well in, in the SoCon. And you can't forget about UNCG with, you know, Mike Jones. Obviously, in his first year after coming over there from Radford, um, he's done a pretty good job there in his first year at the home as well. So SoCon's going to be a lot of fun as always, man. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, Furman is going to have a chance to, to really, you know, get hot here, come, 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 come conference play. I mean, SoCon's going to be a tough conference, but um, I think it's going to come down to Chattanooga and Furman uh, in the end. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we, we, we've seen, you know, the, the, the SoCon, you know, in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, you know, Wolford's always tough. You want see Greensboro is always tough. So, you know, like, like you said, Sean, man, I'm, I'm hoping that Furman can, can kind of break through that, that that glass ceiling and actually get into the NCAA tournament. Cause I think that they're a team that could you know pull off an upset, man. But, um, you know, I want to kind of switch over, you know, to uh, another mid major league, man, that's um, definitely, definitely been a, uh, you know, I think surprisingly so far, and that's the WAC. Um, I think there has been some strong teams, you know, to, to get started. Obviously, you know, New Mexico State, Cal Baptist, Utah Valley had that huge win over BYU. Um, I mean, when you look at the WAC, I mean, who do you think is is the favorite in that league? I mean, I think, first of all, you know, I think we, we have to, when we're talking about the MAAC, I mean, excuse me, the WAC, I have to mention uh, Taryn Armstrong over there at, at Cal Baptist, who's, I mean, a, a triple-double triple, double watch every night, you know, 12 points pretty much eight rebounds, nine assists a game as a freshman. I mean, I think he's played himself onto the NBA radar so far um, early on. So, I mean, when you look at the WAC, um, I mean, who who do you think is the best team in in, in that league so far? Um, I mean, any early surprises? I mean, just what are your general thoughts around the league so far?
2: Definitely New Mexico State as a favorite still for me. They just have too much talent to not win the league in my eyes. But uh, Grand Canyon's in the mix. They play at Arizona State today as we're recording this. Utah Valley, they have that win over BYU. They have some talent. And Trey Woodbury still hasn't played this season, so they've been able to win the games they've won without their top-returning scorer in the mix. And then Stephen F. Austin, they're there. They're going to be competitive. Abilene Christian's going to play tough defensively. They're going to be in the mix. Uh, But Cal Baptist, they're interesting because they have a lot of talent. Reed Nottage, Trey Armstrong, Taryn Armstrong. uh, They have have some talent, but the thing about it is it's not going to really matter at the end of the day because they can't play in the tournament because it's their final year of their uh, transition from D2 to D1. So that, that's kind of what sucks about it. Like, I think the transition thing, I'm not a huge fan of it because this is a team that could win the conference tournament and play in the ter- NCAA tournament, but because of the four-year transition rule, they really can't.
0: Now, what are your thoughts on Utah Valley? Obviously, they had that huge win over BYU that shocked everyone last week. They didn't turn around and lose to sell in Utah uh, last night. Um, so, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on them? Do you think they have a legitimate chance to, co- to compete in that league? And, you know, I mean, where do you think they stand in, in the hierarchy of, of the WAC at this point in time?
2: I think they're probably like the third or fourth best team in the league. I think they're definitely behind New Mexico State and Grand Canyon just talent wise. But Fardoes AMAC is a really good player, one of the more productive players in the country. Once Trey Woodbury's back, I think they could be competitive in the league. But I think New Mexico State and Grand Canyon just has too much for them to ha- to handle.
0: Good. Now, what about Aveline? Obviously, you know, they, they won the league last year. Golden rolled out. But, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on them? I mean, they, they, are, are they are they a team that you think can kind of – I they're sitting that five and two right now. Do you think that they're going to have a, a chance to kind of that t- into that, you know, uh, top tier of the league this year?
2: They still have to win their way. Like, we saw that last year. Their way was for- forcing turnovers and playing tough defensively. That's been the same thing this year. Uh, under new coach Brett Tanner. I think we're going to see more uh, more of the same this year. If they get some teams not playing to their uh, full effort, then, yeah, they could beat anybody in the conference. But talent-wise, they're definitely below, you know, they're probably like six or seven talent-wise in the league.
0: Now, you know, we we talked about the WAC. We've talked about the SOCON. And, um, you know, obviously last year we saw Oral Roberts make a run all the way to the Sweet 16. Um Who is a a team from a one big league, no A10, no Mount West, but a a true one big league that you think has the potential to make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament this season?
2: That's a good question. Um, You know, my answer to this most of the time this year has been South Dakota State. Obviously, they lost yesterday to Idaho. Uh, They've lost a couple games. They lost to Idaho? Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did die. I must have missed that.
2: Yeah, I wow. scored 98.
0: Wow. That yeah. is crazy. Yo, shout out my guy
2: Mikey Dixon, man. Former Quinnipiac. Pete. He, he had 30 he had 36 points.
0: He had 34? Oh. Yeah. oh! Yeah. <laughs> it was 35
2: point. or 36, yeah. We can stop Paul breaking breaking news on the auto bid right now. I don't know how you guys wow. missed this. Wow. No,
0: I was I told you I was at Georgetown last night. I didn't even I wasn't paying attention to anything going on in college basketball last night. I was watching Georgetown UBC game. I didn't even know he lost. It. Wow. I gotta call Mikey now. That's shit. That's a huge win for them because they are terrible. Yeah. Like,
2: hey, man. now the Idaho's gonna get it going though. You know that new arena. I think I think uh facilities wise with the improvements there, I think they're gonna get things going over time, but that's a big-time-like statement win for that program, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, but South Dakota State, here's the thing. like Noah Friedel went five for 24 yesterday from the field. That's probably never going to happen again. He's too good for that to happen. Uh, he's one of the best scorers in college basketball so far this year. Baylor Shireman is really good. They're really good offensively. I mean, they haven't taken as many threes this year as I thought they're going to, but when they are hitting those threes and they're playing the way they want to play on offense, playing quick – uh, they they're going to be a tough out if they're playing a team that struggles offensively. Obviously, it's matchup dependent, but you know the Summit League is always high scoring. We saw that with Oral Roberts last year. I think South Dakota State has a talent to win a game or two if the matchup plays into their favor.
0: Wow, man! I'm 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 at the call my guy, Mikey Dixon, man. After we get up for of this, <laughs> get up for of this podcast. I did not know that that happened, man. I'm reading the box going now. Thirty-five points. Eight assists, five rebounds. 16
2: for 16 from the foul line, too.
0: Jesus. 16 for 16 from the foul line. 7-11 from the floor. 5-7 from three. That is crazy. So Tell about my guy, Mikey Dixon, man. Drew and I played with him at Quinnipiac in rookie year. He was a rookie of the year in the MAC. Uh, that was league. like
2: six years ago at this point, hasn't it? No, it's been it's a while.
0: Been I was a sophomore in college. Just cause <laughs> it, literally, it literally was. I've been out of college for like two years now, so... That's crazy, man. Oh, that, that, that's, 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 that's awesome, man. I'm happy for for, for Mikey, man, and definitely. Definitely uh, so, so, was surprised at winning. I
2: definitely,
0: I definitely. They were 22
2: point underdogs.
0: Yeah, whoever, whoever bet on Idaho last night is is, is, is sitting pretty right now.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody bet on Idaho. That's like may, not to win. Like they didn't bet on them. They didn't bet on them to win. Maybe they took the points, but
0: with the game at Idaho.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what makes okay. it crazy. They were they were 22 point underdogs at home.
0: See, that, that tells you how bad Idaho has been though, man. That tells you.
2: I mean, like, <laughs> like goal. if that game's on the road, they're probably like thirty point underdogs.
0: Literally, no, like literally thirty point underdogs, man. That's, that's crazy, man. But um, obviously, this is I think it's a good segue, man. Talking about a lot, lot of you know mid major players, man. I wanna I wanna get uh, who are your three most underrated mid major guys, man. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, people are already – to pick. People don't really pay attention to mid-major hoops um, that much until March anyways when you start getting the the upsets against Cinderella's man. But who are three players that you think um, guys should start paying attention to uh, right now at this point in the season?
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this question. I'm going to go with three freshmen. I'm going to go with three freshmen for this answer. I'm going to go with Geronimo Rubio De La Rosa from – Columbia. He's been really good. Uh, one of the best, probably the best freshman in the league. He's already one of the best players in the league. Can really score the basketball. He's going to be posting Mike Smith type of numbers at Columbia over the next few years. I'm going to go with Elijah Hutchins Everett. You saw him when uh, Austin P played Howard. He's a really good player. He can shoot the ball. He's really strong. Creates a lot of space down low. He's going to be a big time player at Austin P. He had some high major interest before he committed to Austin P. And then I'm going to go with Houston Millette from Pepperdine. Really good shooter, six foot five, athletic. Uh, he can defend. He's going to be a nice piece for Pepperdine. And they have a very bright future overall with him, Mike Mitchell Jr., uh, Maxwell Lewis now being eligible. That's a really good trio of freshmen that are going to really build the foundation for Pepperdine over the next few years.
0: And, man, shout-out to my guy, Elijah, Elijah Hutchins Ever, man, former PSA Hoops product, man. Shout-out to my guy, Josh Scraber and Tom Espinosa up there in the, the quiet corner of New England, man. So um, definitely want to give those guys some love for that, man, because he, he he had a really good year when he was at Putnam, man. But um, all right, so we got now three most underrated uh, mid-major players, man. Who would be your mid-major player of the year um, at this point in time in the season, man, if you had to pick one?
2: That's tough. I mean, we're including Colorado State in this. Yes, we are. Okay. Um, well, I'm. I was thinking maybe David Roddy, but I'm going to go Jamari Bouye after his big game yesterday. He's shooting like 55% from the field, over 40% from deep, 20 a game uh, number of assists per game on a really good San Francisco team. I think that is deserving of uh, winning this early season mid major player of the year award.
0: I see. I think that, you know, that's that's definitely a, a deserving pick. I'm gonna go David Roddy just because you know I think that what he's been able to do, you know, 20 points, almost eight rebounds a game, you know, leading the team in blocks as well. Um, for a Colorado State team that we've obviously already talked at length about, you know, they're undefeated on the season. And I think if, if you know, if we're saying, you know, this guy could potentially be, you know, in a you know, honorable mention all-American type of type of category, man. I think that as of right now, um, I think that he's a guy who can definitely be um in that mid-major player of the year award. Um, also, man, I was I gotta give. I'm always gonna be, you know, be biased to my PSA family, but I think Kyle Lofton, you know, is obviously, you know, an uh, easy choice for this award as well. Um, based on what Saint has been able to do this season, um, I think that I mean, I think I was listening to, to to the game when they were playing down in Charleston. I mean, and I mean, this is a guy that I think could be a backup point guard in the league. Um, he's gonna get a, definitely a, a look um, as far as playing at. at at the, the next level based on his physical traits. So um, I think that St. Bynes is a team that, you know, if they're able to, to win the A-10 to get into a tournament, you know, I think they're, they're going to get in one way or another. But I think that they're a team that can make a deep run, you know, and we've all seen, you know, once you get in a tournament, you know, if, if you have the best player on the floor, I think you can, you know, make something special happen. I, mean, I think he's the guy that we can be talking a lot about, you know, come March. So, you know, David Ryder would, would be my pick, but if I could have two picks, I would go Kyle Lawson here mm-hmm. as well. I'm gonna go with the guy that uh, is also playing in the Mountain West, does not play for Colorado State, uh, and that's Justin Bean at Utah State. I mean, he's this
2: yeah.
0: dude is averaging 22 and 12, shooting 66% from the floor, 55% from three, and 82% from the foul line, with two steals and three assists per game for Utah State team. That is really good. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Colorado State has taken the league by storm. Uh, know start the league but i think just uh utah state is going to be a team that's going to you know get some teams to fit they got hosed at home versus st mary's and everybody watched that game which was that called into that game was, was oh ugly. It, here here's it, the it thing it like was that. a foul it was a yeah, foul you it, can't not, exactly exactly kidding, like but you cannot call that at that point in time in the game like yeah it, exactly like you can't call that right there I, I, yeah. I, you know i uh, know they battled battle for it for byu um, last night they they won. They had some great wins. Obviously, beat Oklahoma, beat New Mexico State as well uh, earlier in the year, man. So they're they're, they're going to be a team that's, that's going to have something to say about about the Mountain West, man. But Beam is a guy. Beam is a guy. He he goes crazy every night. Puts up video game numbers, man. And uh, I I think he he got going to get some some looks at, at the NBA um, because of the way that he shoots the ball, uh, his size, but he can score inside and out, man. I think he, he's having a tremendous year for Utah State right now.
2: Yeah, he's been great for sure.
0: It's there, man. But for our last subject of the day, man, we're going to transition to the biggest game of the weekend, one of the biggest games of the college basketball season. We're going to get the defending national champions, Baylor, uh, going up against Villanova. Obviously, they played each other last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, It's going to be a huge game, man. Obviously, um, Villanova has played in a ridiculous non-conference schedule already. He's already played UCLA, um, Purdue, um, Tennessee. Uh, Who did they play the other day? They they played um, Syracuse out there at the Garden, man, and... They're going to get the crack at Baylor now. Um, What are you going to be looking for in in that game, man? What are your keys to to that game? Who do you think is going to win and why?
2: I think Baylor's going to win because they can really shoot the basketball they defend. And here's the thing with Villanova. We've already seen it a number of times this year. Late in games, their depth is just not good enough. Their guy. I don't know if they get tired or what, but we've seen that be a problem for them already several times this year, and I think it's a legitimate issue against really good teams. Uh, I think we're going to see that be a problem against a Baylor team who plays really tough defensively. I think that the depth is going to be a problem once again. The lack of depth is going to be an issue once again for Villanova, of really only playing six or seven deep. Having Demir Cosby roundtree back is big, but still like you're seven deep at most. So I think Baylor is going to be able to pull out the win here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think based on, you know, Villanova's early season, you know, I think I, I feel like there's no way they, they lose to UCLA, Purdue, and Baylor. I mean, this is a team that I think coming into the year, you know, everybody had, you know, I think most people, almost everybody, I think most people saw them as a team that could make the Final Four. You know, obviously, when you're bringing back Colin Westby, bringing back Jermaine Samuels, bringing back Justin Moore. Um, and I feel like, I think, in order for them to be where they want to be at the end of the season, especially... Um, when it comes seating time, from are, are, are you on the one line, the two line, the three line? I mean, you can't lose this game to Baylor. I think that they're gonna have a high intensive urgency um, going into this game. I think that, that that they're gonna be up for you know we we talked to Brandon Slater um, about it on the auto bid last week, and he just talked about you know the the you know after that Purdue game, after that UCLA game, how they went to into, into film and kind of really focus on the things that they needed to do to kind of improve. And you know, I'm gonna bet on Jay Wright and those guys to get it going. And get their first kind of really marquee signature win uh, of the season um in this game against Baylor. I'm gonna go with Villanova as well, man. I think I think I'm gonna look at looking at the guards, man. We look about talk about Villanova's guards with Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. Baylor had great guards too, obviously and LJ Cryer and James Kenjo, um and also um, Adam Flagler as well, man, but I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I try to pick a uh, backcourt, I, I would pick the Villanova backcourt, Then you got guys like Jermaine Sane with a grand Slater on the wing uh, that are switchable, can, can defend, versatile, um, they're going to be able to switch a lot versus <clears throat> versus Baylor, Um, and now you are going to have, um, you know, the the, the pedigree of, of Jay Wright uh, versus also Scott Drew, man, but, I'm 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 going to give the slight answer to Villanova, man, but I think the key is going to be the guard play, man. Can Can Colin me and Justin Moore outplay uh, Kyrie, Akinjo, and Adam Flagler, man? And, and if they do, I think Villanova wins that basketball game. But we're going to see what happens, though, man. Uh, this has been a great episode, man. I want to thank Sean Paul again uh, for coming on today with us, man. He does amazing, amazing work. He dropped his tags in the beginning of the episode, but just in case you forgot, he's at Sean Paul CBB on Twitter. So make sure you guys are tapping in with his work, man, with the Field of 68, uh, all the writing that he does, man, and everything else um, that he's doing right now. Man, he does a great job covering college basketball. So I want to thank him again uh, for coming on today, man. And also, I want to remind you guys, as always, man, make sure you guys are giving us a like, giving us a retweet on social media man we do appreciate everybody that shares our content man and also giving us a rating um, on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Google Podcast, wherever you listen to our podcast, man. It truly does go a long way, man. We really appreciate each and every one of you guys that shares our, our content, man, and tunes in, because um, it really does help us out a lot in terms of getting this podcast out uh, to the right people, man. And as always, man, last but not least, I want to remind you guys to tune in to my guy, Pull Up Taze Music. His new project, Why Stop Now, is out on all platforms, man. So make sure you guys are tapping in to his content, man. And it's going to be him on the outro, man. So until next time. That's up,
1: shot, folks. I'm in the clutch, boy. You beating on me? I can tell. It's time to get a check, boy. Check, boy. You want a sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? I can tell. What's the topic of discussion? What we talk about? Take your best shot. I'm gonna take your last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy.